Mac Power Users, episode 297, the iPad Productivity App Show. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks. Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? Hey, David. Happy New Year. We're we're here at the fresh start of a brand new year and uh, getting it off uh, on the right foot, I hope, with, with yeah. some productivity geekiness here. I, I, you know, it's funny. We've been doing the show a long time. I, I'm, I was just today fiddling in the uh, in the outlines. You know, one of the things we do with our shows, we have outlines that we call in the work stuff we're working on for future shows. We've got some really good ones coming up. Uh, been corresponding with some guests. I just feel like 2016 is going to be a good year for Mac Power users. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a, a big year for us because we have got the uh, the big show 300 coming up. And um, and it's it's going to mark the seventh year of Mac Power users coming up in just a few months. Yeah, if, as I if I'm doing the math right, we started in uh, was it May 2009. And yeah. um, we actually talked a lot longer before that. But we're, we're at our seven year itch year here, Katie. <laughs> yeah, it's longer than most marriages. Actually, yeah. we were just figuring out, but we're we're actually getting ready to come up on the seven year anniversary of when we first met and started talking about um, Mac Power users because that was in January of yeah, two thousand nine. Um, Don't you so, remember um, back when Mac uh, when uh, Mac World was always like very early January? It was like you got done opening your presents on Christmas, and then you knew you had some more presents. You're going to get to be with your friends at Mac World in a week or two. Yeah, so we're, we're coming up on that anniversary. Sad, but, sad, sad. Uh, um, but show 300 is also coming up and that's going to be here in just a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're always looking for exciting things to do with these big milestone shows. We we did something special for episode 50, thinking that was a huge show because we didn't know whether we'd actually make it to 100 at that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we just started celebrating the big ones. We did something for show 100 and show 200. But now we've hit show 300 um, and we didn't know what to do for show 300. So we decided to do nothing um, other than we're going to totally give up our show. Did you yeah. know that? Are you yeah, cool we're turning with that? it over, giving the keys to Mike and Steve. Yeah, so Mike and Steven are uh, from the the founders of Relay FM are are taking over the show. They are turning the tables on us for episode three hundred. We have no idea what's going to happen. I'm I'm a little nervous about this. We're just we're just turning our show over to them, um, but they have given me a little blurb of of what they would like us to tell you because they've got something special planned. Um, they want your help you, the listeners, to help them out with questions for us um, about the show and about our personal workflows or, you know, whatever you want to ask, whatever you want to know um, for episode 300. So you can tweet those with the hashtag MPU 300. They are going to collect all of those. Um, I am going to try, David, not to peek at those. Yeah, I'm going in cold. Cold you're you're going to promise not to peek too? Yeah. Sometimes I'm bad at just looking at my own Twitter feed. Yeah. I'm so sure don't, I'm not going to. Don't tweet them at us or at Mac Power users because then we'll see them. But just use the hashtag MPU300. Um, David and I promise not to peek and Mike and Steven will collect all of those. And, and they've got something in store for, for episode 300. And in fact, um, I think I can tell you when we're going to record that. You, you want to just go ahead and commit to recording that live? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we are, we are going to record that on January 12th. At 5 p.m. Eastern, I guess that would be 2 p.m. Pacific. So uh, check the relay calendar, but that's going to be recorded on January 12th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Show 300. Okay. Be there, be square, and put it on your wow. calendar. Time flies. Anyway, well, anyway, what anyway. are we talking about today? I, well, you know, we did a show recently on the iPad and where it stands. And one of the things I felt frustrated with that show is because we, we did a good job of covering which iPads you want and 
where it works and where it doesn't work. But I felt like we rushed through a few productivity apps, but we didn't really talk about it. And uh, since the iPad Pro has shown up, I've been increasingly using this device to get a lot of work done. And I thought, you know, let's have a show and we're not going to tell you which iPad to buy, but we are going to talk about what are the apps that you're using to get work done and a few of the accessories, too. I think there's some accessories we need to discuss. But generally, the idea of the show is saying, look, you got an iPad, you want to get some work done on it. Let's talk about some some ways that we get around doing that. Okay. So this is the iPad productivity app show. And and I think it's more appropriate now going into this new year than ever. Apple has has really put some wood behind the bat on getting the iPad a little more productive. It's kind of got its own fork of iOS nine in essence. I mean, there's some things you can do on it. You can't do on the phone and let's kind of, let's, let's bring that to bear. And, and I probably will take the lead with Moses. Cause I think I do a lot more productivity type type work on my iPad than you do, Katie. I, I think that's probably fair. Yeah. The, um, so opening comments, I, I think working on the iPad in general, uh, has really evolved a few years ago. Back when I wrote the iPad at work book, you know, several years ago, I used it almost exclusively for a month or two while I was kind of researching for the book. And there were certain things at that time that I just could not do. I mean, it just it wasn't possible. And today that is not the case. I think just about everything you want to do on a Mac, you can do. I mean, there's exceptions for, you know, custom apps and some audio stuff. But in general, for people who are working with words or numbers or email or the web or whatever, they can get most of their work done on the iPad. I think the challenge now is figuring out how to do that productively and also learning how to adopt new paradigms. Uh, Just an, an example out of the blue was a couple hours ago. Um, I got a call from a client who had something that he really needed changed in a Word document. And I was at the time sitting in my backyard uh, working on the iPad on the outline for the show. And uh, my Mac was in the house. I could have got up and gone in and got it, but it was nice out. So I just opened up Word on my iPad and snapped on my little uh, keyboard case that I got from Apple and made, you know, turned on track changes in Word and sent it to them. And everything was done in 15 or 20 minutes. Maybe it would have been slightly faster on a Mac, although I, I suspect it would not have been. Uh, but, you know, that's just an example, a little example of how you can get your work done on an iPad in 2016 where you couldn't before. But I do think for a lot of us people that have been working with Macs for many years, the challenge is saying, OK, well, am I willing to, you know, teach the old doc some new tricks? Am I going to am I going to learn how to do some of these things differently? And um, and I've been doing a lot of that. So this show, I'm going to give you a brain dump and some of the some of the ways I've been doing it, what's been working, what hasn't been working. Cool. How about yeah. you? Have you changed your attitudes about productivity on the iPad much since you got your new you get the iPad mini four now? Yeah, I do have the Mini 4. I will tell you that I am much more productive on the iPad than I ever thought that I would be. There are day. well, I mean, obviously I use, I, I go to a physical office. You know, I leave my house and I go to an office and I come back and, and I am very fortunate that I have a Mac at the office. But I will tell you that there are days that when I come home from the office where I don't turn on my Mac um, you know, I, I sit here and I record this podcast with you on Monday nights typically, but uh, there are many days where I, I don't even touch my Mac and about everything else that I do, I do on the iPad. Um, a lot of the, and we'll talk about this as we get into it, but a lot of the show prep that we do uh, gets done on the iPad. A lot of the reading that we do gets, that I do gets done on the iPad. You know, a lot of the research that we do for the show, that's almost all exclusively done on the iPad. So while I'm not necessarily producing as much content on the iPad as, as you are, 
I, I'm definitely doing a lot of work on the iPad. Um, maybe not as much as you are, but certainly to the extent where, you know, my my Mac, at least at home, when I'm not exclusively working on it, is kind of a secondary computer. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about it. And and I thought the way we'd break this down is this show could go on for 10 hours if we let it. So we're going we're gonna to be... Um, we limited it to certain categories of, of work and we've got a, a nice list in the outline. Hopefully we'll get to them all. And, uh, and I thought I'd just talk around the apps and the philosophy or work philosophy on those different categories. Uh, the, the first one I, I listed was pushing words because what, one thing almost everybody does, whether you are a, um, you know, whether you are a software developer or a sales guy or a teacher or a lawyer or whoever, a lot of us work with words, and I thought one of the things the iPad, to me, truly excels at now is writing. And 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 I wanted to kind of give my general philosophy of writing on the iPad because you need to kind of think about it differently. I mean, traditionally, we always thought about writing as sitting down with a word processor. Um, and and to a large extent, in 2016, you can now. I mean, Microsoft Word, as I just gave an example earlier, works great. Uh, Google, uh, Apple's pages works great. Google documents works great. And we just recently did a whole show on word processor. So we're not going to go over that ground again, but needless to say, you can absolutely get your word processing done on an iPad right now with, you know, with the current version of the iPad and the current software. Um, uh, one, I'll give one follow-up point on that is Katie, when we had last spoke, you were not using the most recent version of word on iPad. And now I believe you are correct. And it is wonderful. I, I think it's more stable than the version on the Mac for me. Um, Go figure. Yeah, maybe. I haven't well, used I've, it that much to say for sure. I've had fewer problems. But anyway, uh, but that's not this show. This show is about what are the other ways you handle words on an iPad? And to me, um, you know, the hardest thing about writing is moving the cursor. You know, getting getting those words into the system. It's not formatting them. It's not, you know, attaching links to them. Uh, it's actually just putting words into a machine somewhere. And w one of the things I really love about the iPad is that it it's really excels at that. When I, when I was in law school, I had this Tandy. Um, it was it was made by Radio or maybe it was Radio Shack. It was a it was a laptop computer that had a keyboard and a, an eight line LCD screen on it. And it was about an inch thick and it ran on like two or three AA batteries and it ran for like a month. All it did was you typed in ASCII text. And that's how I, I got through law school on that machine because I didn't have enough money to get a fancy, you know, ThinkPad or whatever it was of the day. Um, this is like a huge improvement on that. You can get words into this thing so easily. And in 2016, we have all these cloud services that will sync them across all these things very easily. So one of the ways you can really, uh, you know, push words using an iPad is get a text editor that you're happy with and just write in the dang thing. You know, it's not that hard. Um, we've talked on our show much over the years by word. I think they were a sponsor. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. when, yeah, they were for they a were, Okay. So they were a sponsor years ago, but we were, we started using when they first came out, that app has continued to evolve. I mean, they get all the new features. It hasn't, they haven't added a ton of new features to it because it doesn't really need it. But whenever Apple has some new feature in iOS that allows syncing or handoff or whatever, they're always right in there. And um, if you just want a simple uh, app that you can write words on, on your iPhone and then have them show up on your Mac or your iPhone Byword is great for that. It uses iCloud Sync, so you don't have any custom syncing engine to set up. I think the last time I checked, it was all of like five bucks to buy it, mm -hmm. and um, and they've got they've got a version for the Mac too. So it's just great. So you can sit in the coffee shop and you can write 
a thousand words about uh, a sales proposal or a new book you want to work on or an extended letter to a friend or whatever it is that you want to write. And you can write it in there on your iPad and then you get back to your Mac and the words are just sitting there for you or not. You know, you can copy them out of ByWord and put them into pages on your iPad as well. But just a, a simple place to dump words. Uh, ByWord continues to be a very powerful app in my uh, in my tool belt. And I'll tell you, ByWord is still my probably my primary writing app. If I'm not in Word for a reason that I have to be in Word, um, I by word is where I'm writing. And, and many times I will start drafting things in by word and then just send the, the text out to someone or, you know, paste the text into word and then format it in word later, you know, simple letters or simple documents. All of my blog posts start in by word. If I'm just taking simple notes, those for me are going to be in by word. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say that I've been stuck on by word because I know that you've moved on and, and you've, um, you still use by word, but you've used things like, um, Ulysses and editorial and some of those other apps. But, Byword has always worked for me. It's always, and I haven't really found a need to look for something else. Yeah. So, so I, I believe that a, a good way to write on the iPad is not to get hung up. Now, now you mentioned editorial. That's, that is another contender for people. And editorial is more geeky. It's got scripts in there. And like, if you want to go in and, and do some programming within the application to make it do custom actions, fill in forms. I mean, they've got simple, simple things like giving you a word count or more complex things to automatically post it to the internet. Um, editorials got those extra tools in it and I spent some time using it, but I will end up going back to, back to my word because I found that, you know, um, I am not, uh, you know, like uh, Federico on our network is very good at running his whole website off his iPad. And that's like, that's a point of pride for him. In to fact, me, I'm not hung up. I think we did a show with Federico on, on editorial. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm just not hung up on it that way. To me, it's like when I've got an iPad and I'm out in the public or in my backyard or wherever it is that I have an iPad, usually what I really want to do is just get those darn words in. And I don't care about what it looks like or how it's formatted or whether it posts to the internet. I just want to get the words in. So by word really scratches that itch for me. Editorial gives you a lot more. So if you want to do something more, uh, that's a good one. Another one, some of the listeners wrote into on Twitter when I, when I tweeted, I was doing the show is one writer. And OneWriter is a great, is really a great app. And I, I was using that with NVLT, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but that's another one to consider. So for simple writing, um, I think something like ByWord is good. Something like Editorial OneWriter is a little uh, more powerful, if that's what you're looking for. Um, and and like Katie, I, I do a lot of blog posts in ByWord. I write letters to other lawyers. I write, you know, just, just about anything you can think I need to write, I'll do in ByWord. But for me, there are certain projects that go beyond ByWord, and that's where I want to organize the text more and have like buckets of text. And for that, uh, traditionally, that's the job Scrivener has done for me. And Scrivener still does it with research intensive projects because nothing stores and shares research like Scrivener does. Yeah. Scrivener's. You know, I was going to say, I'm, I'm very curious to go back. I, I've never really dug into Scrivener, but this semester, I think I've mentioned, I'm, I'm finishing up my degree this semester. I'll graduate, fingers crossed, in May. But one of the things that I have to do is I have to write a substantive research paper. And oh, it's golden for that. I, I, haven't, I haven't done that in 15 years, you know, yeah, with so, all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's, that's going to be really what, when I need to start digging into Scrivener. We, we might need to turn that into a show. <laughs> so, <laughs> One of our early shows offline. was on Scrivener, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's talk offline. But, I mean, it's not an iPad app, so I'm not going to talk about it a long time here. But it, it allows you to store all the research. And you can have one window open, one app, and have all your research and your buckets of text available. 
Um, they, they for a long time have been promising and working on an iPad app. Sadly, it's not here yet. Uh, however, what did show up on the iPad last year is an application which for me lies somewhere between the power of Scrivener and the simplicity of Byword. And it's called Ulysses. And I've mentioned it a few times on the show, but we haven't really talked about it at length. And Ulysses, like Scrivener, allows you to have buckets of text. And the whole idea of this is like I'm working on a book right now and I've got all these chapters and I've got sections within chapters and I've got sometimes sections within the sections. And I've got all this hierarchically organized and it started out as a my note outline, but eventually found its way into this Ulysses document. And since my books are not, um, they're not fiction books where it's a story with a beginning, a middle and an end. It's really a book where I can go into different parts of the book and work on whatever I feel the urge to that day. And I want the ability to do that from anywhere I'm at. And Ulysses is really good at that. It's not so good at handling all my research the way Scrivener does, but it does give me that basic functionality of this buckets of text idea. And they do it really well. It's very pretty. It, it syncs, uh, as far as I can tell, flawlessly after having used it very often in the last six months. Um, they've got an iPhone app coming out, so I'm going to have the same functionality on my iPhone very quickly. And um, that is a good middle of the rotor. And I guess I would say this is something for people who are working on something longer than a basic sales presentation, uh, like maybe Katie with her, her paper at school, or if you are writing a research thing for, you know, whatever it is that you do where you want to have kind of organized text and buckets of it and work on it over time. Um, Ulysses can be a really good tool for that. And, and I'm writing two books in it currently. So there you go. Um, another use for Scrivener, I'm sorry, another use for Ulysses, if you were like blogging, I think you could use it to like kind of outline blog posts and things like that as well. Although I don't do that. Um, so Ulysses is another option. Like I said, it's a little more powerful than Bioware. Now, now you, you've not played with that app at all, correct? No, I'm not. Okay. Um, another app for pushing words. Now going to the opposite, to the beginning of the spectrum, the even easier than Byword version is drafts. And that app has gone, has been discussed a lot on the history of our show. I think it's still an amazing app. And the magic of drafts is you open the app and the cursor is blinking and you can just start typing or dictating and get text in very quickly. And the developer has taken significant efforts to make sure that once you put the text in, that you can do things with it, like send it to a Byword document or send it to an email or a text message or many, many other things like save it to Evernote or whatever. And, um, and that is still just a killer application. I, I think drafts is worth talking about a little more because we've actually had people write in and say, you know, can, can you talk a little bit more about drafts or, or can you do, in fact, a whole show on on drafts? Because I think we we're, a, we're you know a, I think let's do that this year. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's enough for a whole show there, but where a lot of people lose it is, you know, exactly what do you do with text after you you get it into drafts? Because the idea about, about uh, big companies is about oh, sorry, Google Docs. Has it been up? that? Did you hear that? Oh, that's my curly. Yeah. Yeah, I was just turning on my phone to get drafts open up and it was playing a podcast you're playing a podcast oh well sorry guys okay let's just roll with that <laughs> so i was opening drafts so so what do you do with drafts um uh you don't it really doesn't have to be that complicated i think it gets intimidating for people because there are so many things that you can do with a drafts note uh that they get a little paralyzed um uh, one of the most frequent uses I have for it is just capturing text. You know, I'm just sitting somewhere and I think of something and I want to get it into the system. Um, and then one of my most frequent outputs is into Byword. You know, I just put it into a Byword note. 
But there's so many different ways you can do that. Do you append to an existing document that's in your Dropbox folder or an iCloud drive, or do you start a new note or... Yeah. You know, do you do you send something off to Evernote? Do you pen to an existing note or do you send something off to mail or, uh, you know, I think it's a little intimidating about how you go back and how you go through, you know, setting up all of these these workflows within drafts. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's there's many options like one of the ones I think I've mentioned previously on the show is I have one of my draft actions is it sends a, um, the contents of my drafts binder to my sisters. You know, when I have, I want to send them a funny text message or whatever. Um, I can just open drafts, dictate it, and uh, fire off the action. It sends it off. Now, I could also go into messages and try and find a thread with the both of them, or open a new thread and go search each of them out in my address book. But nothing's faster for me than drafts of so just putting it in. Uh, Liana Lahua, who's uh, who's been a guest on our show many times, and um, was just. I just spent some time with her over the holidays and I, I caught her putting calendar entries in with drafts. And I said, well, that's interesting because I use Fantastical. Yeah. I use Fantastical. And um, to me, opening Fantastical is just as easy as opening drafts. She says, no, it's faster for me in drafts because she's always in drafts. And um, another one people use is they use it to capture OmniFocus tasks, you know, and that's one where I don't you do that. I just open OmniFocus and put it in because you just, it's that it's, it's so easy in OmniFocus anyway. But um, uh, what I what I would recommend is, um, well, I, don't, I just don't, we don't have enough time to give it a full treatment, but we'll either do it, maybe we'll do it as a part of a live show, or maybe we'll do an iOS automation show update or something. We, this year, we will talk about drafts. Sounds like a plan. Okay. We'll, we'll get, we'll get some more coverage of that for the people that are asking for it. But my, my uh, answer, my short answer would be, it's not that expensive of an app. You should buy it and try it out for a little while. Um, just the setting in there that you can open, you know, open the app and start talking or, or typing is really great. Now I understand these other apps are not that hard to open a new document in. maybe I'm being silly, but I think the, the less friction you have between you and your words, the better. I mean, have you ever had that feeling like there's something you needed to write and you're like, boy, that's a big project and it's, it's dragging on in your OmniFocus or in the back of your mind. And you finally sit down and write it and you realize it only took you like 15 minutes mm-hmm. and you're like, why didn't I do that sooner? Well, you probably could have, especially if you're actively using your iPad for productivity, because you could be set, sitting anywhere and do that. Um, I think part of this whole pushing words section of the outline, I think we should give some some discussion to dictation. We recently did a dictation show and and I talked about how I think important uh, uh, dictation is to uh, iOS and especially, you know, Siri dictation. You hit the microphone button and you start talking and so long as you don't, you know, dribble out your words, you uh, it does a pretty good job of, of, of transcribing that. Not every time, but but quite often it does. And that's a lot faster than typing. And that may be the answer to getting text in. Uh, since we did that show on dictation, however, uh, Dragon has released the Dragon Anywhere product. And we talked about it a little bit on the show. Just as further feedback, I think it fits here. I'm now paying, I paid $15 for the next month. I'm probably going to buy a year of it because, you know, the bloom has not fallen off the rose for me. I, I've been using it now, I think, three weeks. And and boy, just the ability on my iPad, especially now with that, um, the ability to swipe in from the right side of the screen, because Dragon is always the first app available because it's the one I'm using all the time is a swipe app. You know, I swipe over and I just hit the the red button. And I just start talking and I can talk, I can talk a thousand words into this thing and I don't have to worry about it stopping on me. It does a better job with the dictation than the Siri dictation. It's really spoiling me. You know, I can have my custom 
I have a custom library of vocabulary. So I've got like client names and opposing counsel's name and applications I'm writing about and just things that, you know, that are unusual in the vocabulary. So it always gets those names right. I mean, the it's just so accurate. And doing that on my iPad is really, really great. All right. So pushing words. Pushing words. So so we got some options for you there from the easy to the hard. And, um, and let us know I mean, with all this stuff. Please let us know. We're going to do a live show. So if you've got some some productivity apps, you think we missed out. But I think with that series we just talked about, you're going to be fine writing on your iPad. Right. That was pretty heavy. But I think maybe before we take our first break, let's talk a little bit about pushing numbers, because there is still a place for that on iOS. We've got some great um, programs now that allow us to do um, you know, spreadsheets and that allow us to do all kinds of calculations. Uh, you know, we've talked about the spreadsheet apps before between Numbers and Excel and Google even has their Google Sheets products. Those are all available on iOS. Yeah. Yeah. And and like the word processing documents in the last several years, these have matured a great deal and are quite useful um, for a lot of my business, both legal and, and Max Sparky stuff. I have, I run a lot of that just off number spreadsheets. And um, I know it's kind of a whipping boy. It's not as powerful ex- as Excel, but fortunately or unfortunately, I don't make enough money to need all the super features of Excel, you know, so, and, and they're very pretty, you know, and they sync really easily over iCloud. And I just have no problems keeping a bunch of my, um, my data in those sheets. So I use them every day for that. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you a lot of what I do these days is now on Google spreadsheets. Uh, a lot of what I'm doing with spreadsheets now is collaborative, whether it's between you. And in fact, I, I think in 2016, uh, we share a lot of spreadsheets with each other and we've done those via Dropbox. You know, we haven't talked about it yet and we probably should offline, but, you know, I'm thinking it, it might make a lot more sense to put some of that stuff in Google Docs, um, you know, rather than this, this shared Dropbox spreadsheet that we've we've been doing, because then it's all there and it's all online. I do a lot of similar stuff with some boards that I'm on for my local rotary event and things like that, creating these spreadsheets that multiple people can open and edit and see exactly where we are and, and what we still need to do and, and have all of that organized. Uh, it's It's been really nice to have those tools within Google Docs. And people seem to be getting this now. Um, even people who aren't really power users or into technology, they seem to get the idea of what a Google Doc is and what an online editable spreadsheet is. Yeah, I think Google really made a lot of inroads in the past year. I, it makes me wonder about the future of the Microsoft Office suite because it was just so dominant for so long. But then you start thinking, well, you know, a lot of people are growing up using different stuff now. And I'm not sure that people want all the bells and whistles anymore. They just want everything to be really online and very responsive. And Google's eating everybody's lunch with that right now. Yeah. I'll tell you another app that I use, and it's it's not really a spreadsheet, but it's when you need something maybe more than a calculator, but something a little bit less than a spreadsheet, uh, is an app called Solver. And it was an app that I originally started with on the Mac, and I probably, it's it's kind of, for lack of a better word, it's it's probably my notepad for all things dealing with numbers. But yeah. they also have a um, iPhone and iPad app for Solver as well. And it's great when I'm sitting there doing calculations with clients because it, it allows you to very quickly, you know, keep a tally and, and 
average several things or to add up multiple things and to keep different things in different perspectives and say, you know, okay, well, this is what you're expecting coming in. And, you know, just to keep things very organized, it's almost like a spreadsheet light type product. And so I can pull up my iPad. Um, in fact, it, it happened just this weekend when we were talking about something and we were trying to keep a bunch of numbers in our head and and run them through. And wait, what was that number? What did we say? Did we say that was 1.5 or did we say it was 1.4? I, I don't remember. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to pull out Solver and and keep a keep a running tally of everything that we're talking about here, um, and serves as both a, a checklist and um, you know and as an adding machine as well. Yeah, and like where ByWord is kind of a simple version of a word processor, Solver is a simple version of a spreadsheet. Great app, iCloud Sync, so you're going to get your your data across all your platforms. I mean, to me, one of the most key features of all the apps we're recommending today. I don't think anything made the list that didn't make it easy to get the stuff across both of the uh, platforms, you know, like if you're on a Mac and, a, and an iPad, you should be able to have that data shared everywhere. If it doesn't, then to me, it's not really a productivity app for the iPad because that's that's a key feature. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention about numbers, we skipped over, you know, uh, is the, um, one of the things numbers gives you on the iPad is the ability to, in essence, create a poor man's app development platform. And I believe that, you know, if you deal with numbers a lot like you know i the hypothetical salesperson right and you could create some very nice custom spreadsheets and numbers that look really pretty that you could be sitting with a client and run numbers through it you know whether you're calculating how much energy they're going to save when they install solar or um you know how many widgets they need or whatever you can do some really nice work with that i've got a, a post up of max barkey i i created a custom sheet for settling lawsuits you know where you put it when you go to a mediation you put the numbers in it kind of gives the client an ongoing it helps empower them like they're part of the process and it's it's essentially an app but it's really a number spreadsheet and so I, i'll put that up you can download that and maybe give you some ideas but but you know you can do a lot with these number sheets Another one that I like a lot is uh, for business work is uh, the Power One calculator, and um, it's a um, it's just a it's a business calculator. It's got you know time value over uh, TVM calculations. It's got a whole bunch of different calculations. It's also got scientific ones. It, if you do TVM, it gives you an amortization table, and you know for some of the stuff I do, I I need that quite often, and it's nice having it built into my iPad. Um, the other nice application for calculating numbers is pCalc, which has been around forever, and oh, that's yeah. more of a science. You know, it's more of a scientific calculator, and so it just depends on what you need. Uh, there's one called Tidying that I put on the outline. I, I've been playing with it, and it's more of a natural language calculator. It's kind of hard to describe, but if you're interested in seeing, you know, why don't we have something different on these devices where we have a flat piece of glass instead of you know 15 buttons? Uh, tidying to me is something that could, you know, maybe indicate where things are going in the future. But uh, once again, I think we've covered pushing numbers. You've got some good apps there to get your work done. Uh, let's take a minute to talk about a sponsor. And we've got a new sponsor today. I'm so happy to have uh, on the Mac Power Users family, our friends over at Market Circle. And you may have heard of them before because they keep coming up on our show. We've had many guests talk about how they use Market Circle applications to get their work done. Um, they, their two primary products are Daylight and Billings Pro. Now, Daylight is software to organize your office. It's great, like with a small to medium sized office, because, you know, you always have these issues like how do we share contacts? Well, Daylight solves that problem for you. It has a shared contact base for a database for the entire office. And it's not just a list of names. 
has a way to have linking, you know, people to people uh, to other people in the in the database or to specific employees. You can have relationship tracking, even keeps a history of every interaction with that contact in one place. So if you're doing sales, you can see who's talked to this person, you know, where they are in the sales process. All of that is managed right in Daylight's application. It's not just contacts, though. They also share calendars and they have email integration. So you can automatically file your emails to this specific project. Uh, you can track sales opportunities. They do project management, which is really great. If you've got, you know, that type of thing where you've got many people working on a project, Daylight will handle that management for you. Uh, track sales opportunities, like I was saying, and task management. So if you've got multiple people, you want to see what everybody's task is on the Jones account, you can do that. Um, one thing that I've always loved about Daylight is it's a native Mac app. These guys have a long history of making great Mac applications. Way before the cloud was a thing, they were making this great application with a local server database. Well, as you may know, the world has changed a bit, and some people like to keep this data in the cloud now. And Daylight gives you both options. It gives you the ability to either store it on your local server or store it in the cloud if you like. Either way, it uses that great native Mac application. So you don't have that trade-off that we always had in the past where you either got the cloud data, but you had this ugly web-based interface, or you got the local data or the local Mac installed application, but you had to keep the data local and you put, couldn't put in the cloud. With Daylight, this new version 6, you can do either one, and, and it works really great. We've been playing with it around the Mac power users' offices. Uh, Billings Pro is the other application they have, and it's a professional invoicing and time tracking very quick entry, beautiful invoices. And all these applications work across the Apple platforms. They've got Mac and iOS applications for both of them. So you can get your data in and out from any device. And you can really be productive on your iPad as well using the market circle devices. So we're going to talk more about them as uh, we get through this uh, this first bit of 2016. We'll have uh, ad spots in the future talking about Daylight and Billings Pro in particular. But for today, I just wanted to introduce you to this new sponsor, uh, really nice people making really great products. It's Market Circle. Check it out, Daylines, uh, Daylight and Billings Pro. Awesome. Yeah, we're very happy to have them on the show. So thank you guys for your, your support. I mean, we've had a lot of, um, of um, uh, workflow guests who run their businesses off Daylight. So it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about managing files, because that was a big problem with the iPad that is starting to get better. I mean, it still doesn't have a full dedicated, you know, finder or place where you can manage files. And it seemed like before managing files on the iPad was always a little bit of a hack. But now there are better ways that you can actually manage files on an iPad. Um, it seems to be somewhat officially supported now with iCloud Drive. In fact, if you go into settings, there's a way that you can actually enable an iCloud Drive icon on your iPad. And that's certainly Apple's preferred way for you to manage files on your iPad. But also with the introduction, I, I think with iOS 9 in particular, but they, they started in earlier versions of the iOS, they've also made it a lot easier to link and to share files in between different services. Yeah, I mean, like one of the problems we had for years was you get an email attachment and you've got your files saved to Dropbox. There was no easy way to do that on an iPad. Now you can just long tap on it and you can hit the sharing icon and Dropbox has a little sharing button and you can save to Dropbox. You can even choose where in Dropbox it goes. Uh, to me, this is one of those things where it used to be impossible and now it is possible, but you have to think a little differently and act a little differently. It's not a finder window. You're not going to be able to jump over to the finder. It may take a little bit longer to get there. Like if you're a launch bar, you know, pro user, like, you know, Katie and I are, <laughs> 
you're going to get to the, or, uh, you know, whatever uh, folder or app, you know, the shortcut app you're using on the Mac, you're going to be able to get to those folders very quickly. On the iPad, you got to tap a few times, you know, you got to get to the right place. But, you know, I've been doing that a lot. In fact, I've been making a conscious effort to do that the last month or two with this new iPad, because in, in the past, I would always kind of say, OK, well, I'll file that when I get to my Mac. And now I'm just taking the time to do it right there. And it's really nice to be able to take care of the problem once. And it really doesn't take that much more time. So let's talk a little bit about it. And one of the things I realized when writing this part of the outline is we're going to do a, um, I think we're going to return to the cloud in 2016 because there's just so much going on right now. And a lot of these options have changed. You know, that's but, one um, of the things about having done a podcast for seven years is a lot of the subjects that we've revisited have changed quite a bit. Yeah. But but just for today, the, the purpose of today's show, I think you're, to me, the number one option for managing files on the iPad is Dropbox. I think it's the best option. Uh, it continues to be. They have link sharing. They have prior versions. And, you know, Dropbox since day one has always been a company that's been focused on getting you quick and easy access to cloud-based files. That's their whole thing. Right. They're Apple, always quick to update. And, and Apple is actually helping them by building them those APIs to let them do that now. Yeah, they made it easier than ever. Now you can go ahead in um, just about any application that we're going to talk about on today's show and easily save to Dropbox. In fact, the Microsoft Word Dropbox integration now is one of the most impressive on the iPad. Yeah, well, um, Microsoft Word and Dropbox have really partnered together to make that work so seamlessly. Yeah, so if, you, if, you're, if you're opening the Dropbox, like the sample I used earlier today, I'm going to go back to my little client contract problem. I went into the Dropbox app on my iPad, and then I just drilled to the, the appropriate folder with that contract in it. And I said, and there's a one button you press and it opens the app, opens the word document in word and I can make annotations and then I back out of it and it say automatically saves those changes right back to Dropbox. I don't have to worry about the file getting copied somewhere and getting the, you know, the changed version back into the appropriate folder. All of that just happens. Um, So I I think, you know, the short version of the story is I think if you're going to pick one Dropbox is probably the best place to go for now. That may not be continue to be true. However, Dropbox is a company's making changes, and I've heard that they, they've got some some of their older APIs that they're making changes to that some of my friends in the development community aren't necessarily happy about. And I don't know that you know Dropbox is going to be around forever, or I guess I shouldn't say that, but I don't know what the focus of their company is going to continue to be. I mean, we just saw this year they dropped their mail application, and I think they're dropping their photos application too. Yeah, car- um, Carousel went away as well. So, you know, we just don't know. But for now, Dropbox is a really great way to store your data and have it available to you on your iPad. However, in the last year or so, I think iCloud has really kind of risen as a contender. Have you spent much time saving any types of documents to iCloud? I save quite a few documents to to iCloud, but I, I've also noticed that I have to be careful with it because Dropbox is still my my preferred place to save these things. But iCloud is is very easy for many of the apps that that support it. You know, especially with the Apple apps. You know, with Pages and and Numbers and Keynote. You know, iCloud is is where it's going to save. Um, 
and, and it still works very well. And a lot of developers have built in support for iCloud. You know, our, our friends at, at Smile have built in support for iCloud Sync. Now your text expander snippets can sync through iCloud Drive. And, you know, PDF Pen can save directly to iCloud Drive and, and sync there. And, and that works very well because you've got documents on your Mac now and documents on your iPad. And you've got the files sitting there in iCloud Drive that you can access from any application. And, and that's good. I, I will say I have noticed that it may not quite be as reliable as Dropbox, and there may still be some some wonkiness, but um, it's certainly not as full-featured as Dropbox. And, you know, with Dropbox, you've got that option where you and I can share files with each other, David, or, you know, if we're consulting with a guest, we can we can selectively share files with, with other people or folders, and that's, that's real nice. You know, those options don't exist in iCloud yet. Maybe they will in the future. Um, but I know that developers who are using iCloud as a sync platform – have have been very happy with the changes that Apple has made with CloudKit. Yeah, one of the things I did this morning as we were prepping the show, and it occurred to me that we need to do a new, a new syncing show, is I moved a lot of files into iCloud, and I'm going to really push it uh, here in the next month, and then I'll report back. But but it's actually an option now. I mean, Apple has a they've essentially kind of copied. The idea of Dropbox, say we'll have a cloud-based, you know, hierarchical folder and you can put whatever you want in there and we'll make it available through our app platform. Yeah. And just about any app as well on uh, that we're going to recommend here is going to have the potential to hook into the iCloud data. So it's um, it's it's something, you know, Apple has, Apple was really far behind and now they're kind of behind. So what does, where are they going to be in a year? Are they going to catch up? I don't know. I mean, they have a lot of more priorities than Dropbox does. I will That's tell you that there. I have moved almost all of my syncing, um, like uh, document um, applications that sync settings and things like that, back in, or, or you know databases. I have almost moved all of that that I can to iCloud, and with one lone exception, I'm looking at you do um, that has been seamless, and and the iCloud syncing has actually worked better in as terms of not creating conflicted copies and things like that. So you're talking like one password, yeah, text expander, one password, text stuff. expander, those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know, Katie Floyd. Uh, there's other options as well. Google Drive is 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 another. You know, it's made by a little company named Google, and yeah. that apparently has some knowledge and ability to handle data on the internet. And I know a lot of people are using that. Well, and, that and, and what we'll get comments on if we don't mention it is that Google Drive can function quite a bit like Dropbox. I mean, it's not just, you know, an app a platform for, for Google's documents. You know, you can store PDFs or other files in Google Drive. It can be just a big storage platform. In fact, if you download the Google Drive app for Mac, it can act very much like Dropbox on your Mac. Yeah. And, and they continue to add features as Google is known to do. So where is that going to be in six months? I don't know, but they are definitely not shying away from this battle. And um, Microsoft OneDrive, you know, my, if you've got, if you're using the Microsoft Office suite, OneDrive is something that you should be looking into as well. So there's a bunch of options for managing files. And, and you know, getting back to my opening statement, for lack of a better term, is uh, these, none of these options existed when the iPad premiered. You know, yeah. you, you didn't have, you were supposed to plug your iPad into your Mac when you wanted to convert, doc, you know, get documents onto it. Right. Um, and... and you know, I think I would put Evernote in this category of an app that can manage files as well, because a lot of the things that I put into Evernote 
aren't I, I know you tended to use Evernote more for text and more for for notes, but a lot of the documents that I put into Evernote are attachments. You know, they're PDFs attached to something, or are there other documents that are attached to Evernote notes? You know, keep in mind that Evernote can be more than just you know text notes. There's a lot of documents that you can store inside an Evernote notebook. Yeah, so there's some crossover there for Evernote, and and you know if we're going to go there, Apple Notes. You can, I've got Apple Notes with Microsoft Word documents attached to them, and they show up on all my devices, and they sync automatically. (laughs) You okay? Have I offended your sensibilities? I think you have. Uh, If you want a power tool for managing files, um, there's a great app called Transmit, and it was on the Mac for many years, and they've gone over to iOS. And that gives you like, if you want to go into FTP or, you know, get really, you know, roll up your sleeves and go crazy, this uh, transmit, it's a great application for managing that type of stuff. Hey, what uh, about Goodreader? You know, we haven't talked about Goodreader in a long time. Well, I, I, you know, I've got a PDF section below. Let's wait till we get down there. Okay. So you're using Goodreader most exclusively for managing PDFs, I, not I'm, necessarily I'm not for not other using files. Good, I'm not using Goodreader at all anymore, but that's something that you could do that with it. Okay. We'll talk about it down there. All right. Okay, Katie Floyd, uh, you want to go into the next category? Yeah, so we've managed our files, we've managed our words, we've managed our numbers. Let's talk a little bit about managing our time. And the the first way we could do that is is with a good calendaring app. And I know you and I both use Fantastical as our calendaring app of, of choice on, on iOS, um, both on the iPhone, the iPad, and on the iWatch. I'm using Fantastical primarily the big draw for Fantastical for me, you know, number one, I just think it's a better and a prettier interface. I like the things that you can customize with it, but its big draw is its natural language ability. So I can type directly into Fantastical, you know, record podcast with David at 6 p.m. And it's going to realize that and automatically create and format a, an appointment for me and put it in my address or in my calendar. And if at the end you say slash MPU, it'll put it into the Mac Power Users calendar. That's right. Um, the, uh, yeah, it's great for that. To me, the re, you know, there's a lot of calendar apps and, and let us know your favorite. We'd love to hear about it. But the, um, but to me, the, one of the big selling points of Fantastical is I believe the user interface is great. And, and the list view for calendar events where you can, they've just got the never ending scrolling list of calendar events. And just, I use that every day, especially Mondays. You know, we were recording this this week on a Monday, and I just was scrolling through it this morning to see all the appointments coming up in the next week. Yeah, what's going on this week? That's one of the – I do that Sunday nights as well, or Monday mornings sometimes too. And just that scrolling list. And I'm sure there's some other apps that do that as well. Fantastical is the first one I was aware of that did it. Apple has kind of brought that feature over to the calendars application, but I don't think they've implemented it as well. So um, Fantastical is a really great option for managing your time. Um, also I think part of managing your time is, is managing your tasks. Um, and you know, we, uh, we both talked so much about OmniFocus. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but for me, that's, it's one of the big power tools on my iPad. In fact, one of the listeners wrote in on Twitter today saying OmniFocus is still the best for them on the iPad. It's just the best experience for them, uh, of all the different platforms they use it on. And I can totally see that because I, every morning I sit up and, um, uh, you know, go through the OmniFocus list on my iPad and it's just so easy to manage and, you know, defer tasks and assign flags and due dates and all those things, uh, just scrolling through with my finger. I, uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'll, I'll use a couple of tools to supplement OmniFocus. I mean, that's that's still my primary place where I keep my major task management. Um, but you and I have talked about this. 
I use reminders for certain things, primarily for list type things. So that's where my shopping list is. Um, if I have like a, a priority list of, of like 10 things that I have to do this weekend, or if I'm planning a party and these are 10 things that I have to do, you know, for the party, sometimes, you know, these one-off lists, I will put those in reminders rather than an OmniFocus. Um, I also am a big fan of the Do app, and we talked about that on the last show. That's D-U-E, the Do app, for reminders that I just absolutely, time-sensitive reminders that I can't forget about. You know, it's going to remind me a little bit later to take out the trash, and it's going uh, to remind me to post the the show. And, and until I tell Do that it's done, it's going to pester me for the next, you know, every 30 minutes or every 15 minutes or every hour or whatever interval that I set you know, unlike Apple standard reminder app that will just pop up once. And, you know, if I'm busy and forget about it, will disappear. Do you, um, I, I know I'm slicing the onion thin here because what we're really talking about the iPad show. Do you use do much on the iPad or is that just an, an, an iPhone app for you? No, I do. Use, I, I, I will say that I primarily use it on the iPhone, but I also use it on the iPad too, because it's, it's wherever it's available and wherever things happen to come to my mind. So there's a, there's a do app for the iPad as well, and it will sync via iCloud or via Dropbox. And I'll tell you that do is one of those apps that for whatever reason, their iCloud support is just not good. Hopefully the developer will work with that. So that is one that I still use Dropbox to sync with. Yeah. But it's where, where am I when I think about it? Um, you know, if, if, if my iPad is in my hand or if my iPad is nearby, that's what I'll grab and that's what I'll stick in there. This one, uh, this subject, when we, when we reached out on Twitter, got a lot of uh, interesting advice from listeners. A lot of people use Todoists. Um, and I know we've talked about that with some of our guests in the past. Trello is another one that a lot of people like. It's a cloud-based kind of project slash task management system. Um, and, uh, there are a couple more here. I'll, I'll look up as we go through, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people looking for kind of web-based task management solutions and, and they're out there now. And those have got a lot better and cleaner than they've been in the past. Um, let's take a minute to talk about our next sponsor and then let's tackle, um, using and working with PDFs on your iPad. Yeah, well, speaking of PDFs, actually, our um, next sponsor is PDF Pen. So that's kind of a nice transition into uh, talking about PDFs on the iPad. Um, and, you know, PDF Pen is the Swiss Army knife for PDFs. If, if you are going to be managing PDFs, whether it's on your Mac or whether it's on your iOS device, whether it's your iPad or your iPhone, um, PDF Pen is going to be able to take care of you. It's got all the basis that you need covered. Like if you're going to be filling out forms, if you're going to be signing documents, if you want to take a PDF and you found a typo or something on it, you want to be able to make an edit, uh, PDF Pen can do that for you. If you need to highlight something, uh, if you want to OCR a document, that means you've got a PDF of something that was scanned in and it's a flat document, but it has text on it, and you want to be able to make that text selectable and make that text editable, editable, uh, PDF Pen has the ability to uh, go in and do the optical character recognition so you can do that. And once you've got that text recognized, you can go even further. You can select text. You can redact text. You can find and redact text. So let's say you've got a PDF document. Believe it or not, tax season is not that far away coming up, and you want to go through and redact maybe you know the first six digits of your social security number, and you want to redact that all throughout the, the document. Document. You can do a find and a search with PDF Pen for that. 
And with PDF Pen uh, on the Mac, you can also export documents. You can export um, to Word. So if you've got a PDF and you want to make make edits to it or you want to be able to save it and edit it in the future, there's a great feature that you can export those documents to Word. Uh, it can do all kinds of things like page numbering and Bates numbering if you're on the legal field and you need to do that. Um, and all of these things that you can do in PDF Pen for the Mac, you can take many of them on the road with PDF Pen for iPhone and iPad. Um, and for all of you who like to follow David and I and keep a paperless office practice, that's wonderful because if you've got a document that you need to sign, you know, you don't need to print it out and sign it and fax it back to someone who, who even has a fax machine anymore. Uh, you can just you save your signature into PDF pen, um, drag and drop it onto a document and, and be on your way. Um, PDF pen 7 for the Mac costs $74.95 and PDF Pen Pro is available for $124.95. It brings some additional features like in creating interactive PDF forms, creating PDFs from websites, and it has gives you the ability to export into Excel, uh, PowerPoint, and PDF archive formats. Uh, and it's it's just great. So you can find out more information by going to smilesoftware.com slash MPU. That slash MPU is important because it lets them know that you came from us uh, and learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro. Um, you should know that this Max Sparky guy did some great videos that you can uh, watch to learn more about it. Um, know that PDF Pen 7 requires Yosemite or later and works and is fully optimized for El Capitan. So thanks to Smile for their kind support of this podcast uh, and go check out PDF Pen. So um, <laughs> I don't know if this was a convenient timing or um, or it seems really dubious, but yeah. the next thing on our outline is PDFs. So yeah, we, 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 prob we probably should have timed that a little differently. Oh, well, it, it, sorry. Yeah, we, we screwed that once again, amateur hour. But the uh, but either way, uh, the, the, the thing I really like, um, and we won't go to PDF pin at great length because we've covered it so much in the show, but it is the app I use. I, I, I'm really digging the, the iPad Pro and uh, dealing with really large contracts. Part of my job is dealing with really large contracts. PDF pin has been a real champ with some big contracts I've been working on lately. It makes, you know, easy to highlight and do all those things. And Katie just talked about it all in the, in the ad spot. So I'm not going to go at it in great length, but it's a really great work uh, tool for me. I like using the pencil to highlight text because it's got that sharp pencil point and it makes it easy to get the right text highlighted. Um, another product from smile is PDF pen scan plus, And I use this so often because a lot of times you know, trying to be productive on my iPad, I'll get contracts sent to me from other people. And so often they're sent to me without optical character recognition on them. And that really limits what you can do in terms of annotating and reviewing them. Um, so I am. Um, so what I do is I take the, um, the P, you know, I, I take the PDF pen scan plus I open the PDF in there. It automatically does the optical character recognition. And it's got a really easy button in there to go straight to PDF pen that's my workflow for this. And then I save it to the PDF pen kind of iCloud storage while I'm working on it. So then I can go to the Mac or the iPad or wherever and, and do my annotations. And, and this is another example of where I use uh, dragon anywhere. So I'll have the iPad pro in landscape mode. And I will just, as I'm going through the document, I will see something that I want to comment on and I'll slide over from the right side of the screen, open up, um, the um the dragon anywhere application i'll dictate a paragraph or two about what i like or don't like about that paragraph or what needs to change and then i'll just copy that and paste it into a, a note in pdf pin 
then it goes to the client. It's all done. It's a very fast, efficient workflow with PDFs. And, and, you know, I'd almost say that at this point I'm getting so efficient at it that it's probably faster than me doing it on the Mac. Um, and the added benefit of having that nice big screen that I can pinch and zoom and do all these great things with. So it's really nice. I, I asked on, um, but I don't want this to be, you know, a PDF pin ad spot. We already did that. Uh, so I asked out on Twitter, you know, what are the other applications people like? And PDF expert got a lot of votes. A lot of people like PDF expert, PDF converter got some, um, Katie, what was the app you were talking about earlier? Um, that, that I said, we'll talk about in PDFs. It's the, the, one of the good original good reader. So that was the original really PDF reader on the iPad. And, and of course it does much more than that. It, it, it's all like a file system as well as a PDF application. Uh, it just got to me. So it was so cumbersome using their user interface that I gave up on it and I haven't used it in years now. So I don't know if they've improved that or not. Well, good reader kind of advertised. They, they were like the Swiss army knife uh, of file management. And I think they kind of got a little bloated there at the end. They, they did PDFs and then they also did FTP to things and you could download. I mean, it, it was kind of from a time when we didn't have all of these great tools and you, it, it was a great tool and it's time, but I, it, it's, it's kind of hard to follow now. Okay. So I don't know. So you, have you used it recently? Um, I, it's been probably several months since I've used it and okay. it's a little bit better in the newer version, but it's, it's still got all that stuff in there. That's a little confusing. Like I know that like explaining Jeff, it to a new user, like is what I was trying to do is I was trying to explain to a new user an app, just a very simple app for them to store their PDFs in so that they could do that. And it was it was difficult. I know Jeff over at iPhone JD still uses it and recommends it. So, I, but I really want this show to be focused on stuff that we've got experience with and we can recommend. So that one probably doesn't make the list for us, but it may be worth consideration. Uh, PDF expert I have used. It's a good app. Um, another one from, uh, that we got from Twitter comments was documents, which is by the same company that makes PDF, um, expert it's called, it's kind of more of a, kind of a documents organizer. It works in conjunction with PDF expert and several people have tweeted us that they like using that application for that purpose. So, uh, I think all of those that we've mentioned in the segment would be good, but here comes the gem of the segment. Uh, it's one that I don't think we've talked about on the show. And I love, love, love this app. And it's just just such a great idea. And it's something that, to me, only works on an iPad. Uh, it's called Liquid Text. Now, have you ever played with this app, Katie? I, I've seen it demoed, yes. Uh, it's great. And it's great, especially when you're going to meet with somebody. And if you're doing a lot of, like, PDF intensive work, um, you can... You can take a, a PDF and you know how sometimes you'll have a long PDF, but there's mm -hmm. only certain segments of it that are all that relevant. You can pinch it vertically and it'll squeeze together the text that's not that important to you. And it allows you to display only the stuff that's really important. And you can see a segment from page one and a segment from page seven on the same section of the screen which is just a great way. I, I really love this app for just like kind of initial review. You can drag off um, little segments that you've highlight, highlighted as bubbles and comment on them. It's like, it's like no other PDF application you've ever seen before. And I really, uh, I really love what this developer has done. And if you spend a lot of time working in PDFs, get this app and just play with it for, if for no other reason, just to see something that can't be done any other way. I think it's an iPad productivity tool at its very heart and i'm using it more and more often especially when i sit down with somebody where it allows me to kind of like say like when i'm sitting with a client a lot of the times i've got stuff on different pages and i want them to be able to compare them and see like okay let's see how they treated you 
with this section and let's see how they want you to treat them with a similar section, but they're on different pages. I can put them right next to each other. It makes it really easy for everybody to see and understand. And it makes Uh, it very easy to call out documents in a PDF. Like this is something that I used to do very manually, like actually using Keynote when I was giving a presentation and I wanted to specifically highlight something that somebody had said in a PDF is, you know, I would grab it and I would zoom in and I would, you know, do all of that. And I would do that manually with a Keynote annotation process. And this app will do that seamlessly now. Yeah, Liquid Text is a big winner in my yeah. book. So check that. If you've never heard of it, go check it out. At least go look at them on the uh, on the web and see if it's something of interest to you. Yeah. Another one that I wanted to throw in here, and it's another one by uh, Riedel or Riedel. Um, I've never quite learned how to pronounce their name, although we've met them several times. And so I feel embarrassed by that. Um, but they make a lot of great productivity products. They they made the um, um, the PDF Expert 5 app that you were talking about. And they make a couple other apps like Calendar 5 and, and Printer Pro. But they make a great app called PDF Converter. And what it allows you to do is take just about any file and convert it to a PDF right there on your iPad. So if you have a different type of document, like if you have a a photo or if you have a a web page or if you have something like that, you can basically take any type of document. If you have an email or something in your clipboard or an iWork document, um, it's basically print PDF that we have on the Mac, but now you have it on the iPad. Sort of. (laughs) <laughs> the, well, the hang up for me on that is it still doesn't print an email to PDF. And uh, that's a limitation. Yeah, we'll do email attachments. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's that's a limitation of Apple's mail app. I, I if, get it. I if get you're it. using a third party mail app, you can. Typically. Yeah, I know. Which is almost a good enough reason to switch to a third party mail app sometimes. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Moving on from PDFs, thinking and organizing using your iPad. Um, there's a couple here. The, um, uh, boy, this is, this one is going to sound like an Omni ad spot, but the, the whole Omni suite is really great for this. The Omni outliner, Omni plan and Omni graffle are great applications to capture, capture ideas and thoughts and put plans together. Um, yeah, Omni uh, outliner is the one that I've really got to give a, a plug for this because uh, you know me, I'm, I'm the outline person. Does that make me a left brain person or a right brain person. I always forget. I don't, I don't remember, but whatever it is, I am I am totally on whatever 100% that side of the brain. I think it's the but, left brain, but someone but will write it and tell do, us. what do you do, Katie? I have a question. So what do you do when someone gives you a bunch of information and you're not sure where it fits on the outline? What do I, you do then? I always know where it fits. Then I create a new category. I mean, I, I don't know. How do you not know where the information goes on the outline? I, a lot of times I don't until I see it all. Oh. The, well, so I mean, just, I, I just start outlining and then I put it, you know, sometimes I'll have like a catch-all category and then I'll start putting it in, you know, and that just kind of stays at the end and then I'll start filling it in where it goes. Well, either way, uh, Omni Outliner has come a long way as a productivity app on the iPad because they've got the omnipresent syncing. Uh, Omni is also playing with some other, you know, third-party syncing engines if you want to do that. Um, but boy, it's really nice to be able like, I can only imagine you sitting in class using Omni Outliner on your iPad. Oh yeah, it's 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 great because you can do it and all of it syncs together and you know just sometimes just just being able to hold it in your hand is huge yeah. because you feel like you can touch the words and you can move things around. Um it just that tactile experience of doing it on the iPad is very different than doing it on a Mac screen. Yeah, that that's exactly in kind of looking at the you know the side for the hippies like me that like to use mind mapping. That's when my mapping made sense to me. I had heard about it for years. I knew like a lot of the original software for my mapping was really expensive and it was always PC based and it always felt really fiddly. 
but when I got my hands on a, a mind mapping application on the iPad, I don't even remember what the first one I started using was, but just the idea of using my fingers to move the words around it to me was just like, it was a mind blower. I don't know why, but it just opened up a lot of like connections in my brain to, to start using this stuff to organize thoughts. Um, I, for that, I use MindNode. Um, to me, the two big ones I looked again as I was prepping for the show, the two big ones still remain MindNode and iThoughts HD. Um, iThoughts has, I think, probably still more bells and whistles. MindNode for me, I like the interface better and it's faster and um, and it syncs on iCloud. So it just kind of happens. But both of those are really great applications if you want to get into mind mapping. Um, Omni Outliner, I think, is still the king on outlining. Uh, Omni Plan is a, a great planning and graph. All those are kind of separate, but like it, it fits to me in the same category of thinking and organizing ideas. Did I miss any? Um, no, I think we got them. So uh, the entire Omni Suite and then MindNode. Yeah, I guess the um one once um category here. I didn't know. I kind of been fiddling with it as we've been talking. Is I call it buckets. And Evernote has been kind of, you know, burbling around the the surface here as we've been talking about the show. But uh, most essentially, Evernote to me is a bucket. You know, you can put, like you said, you can put documents in, but you can also put information. You can organize it. You can save emails, web pages, whatever. Um, Evernote is still a, a very viable place to do that. And we have guests and listeners that report to us every day about how much work they get done with Evernote. Agreed. Yeah, I still use. I, I think I think it still makes our recommendation list uh, an interesting bucket addition. That as we move into 2016, to me is notes, Apple Notes. I didn't think that that application would ever make any list I made, and um, they've come a long way. There's still problems. I've got a big post that's going up probably a few days before this show goes live. I've been working on about what I my grumbles and my likes with Apple Notes after having used it pretty extensively. But the bottom line is I'm keeping it. I'm still, I think I'm, I've fallen to the fact that I'm just using this application because it is very useful. It does have a good sync and it does allow me to throw all sorts of data at it, like, you know, maps and pictures and word documents and pages documents and whatever it is that I need. And um, it, I grant you, it's not as universal as Evernote. You know, it doesn't, I can't go and access it on a PC for instance. Uh, and I don't think I can access it from the web very easily, but mm -hmm. the, um, but it's just as a Mac and iOS user, it's very convenient because the, it's very easy to get the data back out of it and it just syncs really easily. And if you're going to be somebody using the Apple products, using the Apple bucket program, which is what notes is, it's a lot more than just notes. Well, uh, how, can make how a lot do of you sense. get the data out of it? Because I mean, is there an ex I don't know. I don't use it very much. Is there an export feature in notes? I mean, you've yeah. got hundreds of notes now in Apple notes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting up there. And so there is a tool that can export everything as text. If you want, there's a, definitely a tool is in like a, a third party tool or a third party. Yeah, utility? It's a script. It's a script. Um, there's another script that you can just select um, notes in Evernote and easily, you know, bring them all into Apple notes. Um, but getting the, when I say getting data out, what I'm really talking about is getting data out of the application onto like my desktop, you know, like if I have an image, I can just drag it out and it goes on my desktop or a word document or whatever. So it, it just makes it very easy to access that data from any device. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm not, me. I, I'm not trying to, to poo-poo Apple Notes or anything. I guess I'm just surprised because it, it seems to me like so many of the concerns that you have about Evernote and that you poo-pooed Evernote about for, for years are are there and if not worse with Apple Notes, but yet you're okay putting all of your data in that system. Well, no, uh, it, it's, there's still, I still have issues because it's not plain text and, you know, it's going to be hard to get this data in the future at some point. But the, the problem with Evernote was to make it work on every platform, they had to bring it to, and I don't want to get into the te- technology too much because I'm going to screw it up. But as I understand it, there's a lot of HTML. It's like going to the least common denom- denominator to get a photo to open on every one of the platforms that Evernote's on. They have to bring it down to something simpler than it is when you put it in. And getting it out of there is not easy. Um, the the model, the, the contrast I always had to that was... Um, was it Gus Mueller's program? Oh, what was it called? Um, it's escaping me. It'll come to me later. But he had an application that before cloud syncing was a thing that allowed you to put everything buckets on your Mac and just drag stuff into it. Um, man, it's making me crazy. I can't remember right now. But either way, the, the idea of that application was once you put it in there, you could just drag it out as easily. And Apple Notes does that. So it's better than Evernote in that regard. Yeah, I don't know, because I can, I throw an image in there and I can drag it right back out. I throw a PDF in there, I can drag it right back out. Yeah, okay. Well, they've got better over the years, too. Yeah. You're talking about Evernote? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, those are both buckets that I think you can use to get work done. Right. Um, Then... I think another area that we need to talk about is interacting with the Mac, because sometimes you need to use an iPad to do that, um, whether it's VPNing into a Mac or I know you've written pretty extensively about using your iPad as, is it a second for you or a third display for your Mac? Sec- second. A second. second display. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the tools that I use extensively is the Screens app, um, and that's basically a VPN app. And I use it both on, on Mac and iOS. And, and that's an app that once you have it configured, um, will allow you to remote access into various devices and remote access into your, your other Macs. And especially now that I've got this, this Mac mini server here at my house. That's basic. Well, it's kind of headless. It's, it's plugged into a TV, but I'm getting ready to move it. So it will be headless soon. But the primary, you know, if I need to go in and do something, you know, quit an app or restart something, I'm typically doing that through my iPad with screens. Um, yeah, yeah. It seems like screens is the winner there. I, I use it as well. Um, we heard from listeners and Twitter talking about Cisco and a few other um applications they use for remote access and it may be just a a question of what your work uses you need to use whatever it takes to get into that system right but all things being equal screens is a very nicely developed easy to use interface easy to set up and you know for people you don't need to know a great deal about how all this stuff works if you're using screens it it, it installs like an application on your mac to make the hookup real easy um and uh, I think that's a really good one to recommend. And and for the extra monitor duet display, we've talked about it in the past. I won't go to great length, but I can just attach it to my to my iMac and have additional screen real estate. I don't use it all the time, but I do use it on occasion. Now, remind me for a duet display to work. Do you still have to have a wired connection for that? I I believe uh, they do wireless as well, but I've always got a dedicated lightning cable hanging off my iMac anyway. So I always use the cable. It's always, you know, it's going to be better if you've got, you know, copper connecting them. But I believe it does wireless as well. I also tested it on the um, MacBook 
and it worked fine. I haven't gone on a large trip out of town yet where I've needed, you know, really to use it under fire, but I would assume that I could um, have it as a second screen to my MacBook as well, which would be kind of nice on the road. Yeah. One, one other question I had, and this kind of goes off on a little bit of a tangent, but are you using any of these dedicated mounts or, or holders to connect the iPad to your, to your iMac, at least probably not to your MacBook? Or are you just like setting the iPad on the, on the desk? I'm still a big fan of the stump, you know, those stump stands we got at Macworld many years ago. Um, I'll put a link in the show. It's just a piece of rubber with a weight in it, in the bottom of it. And it looks like a little, it's a circular thing with a little wedge in it that you can mm-hmm. lay the iPad in. One, one problem I have is the iPads have got increasingly thin and my stumps, which are like five years old. Are designed pretty, for a thicker iPad. Yeah, exactly. So they, they, they lay back a little bit more than they, they had in the past. And, and putting the iPad Pro and Portrait in it, it's a little top heavy. So I'm a little nervous about that. So I may come up with something new in the future. But Well, you've got now some just, tools. You can like groove that thing out. Yeah, yeah, I could. Or just or actually what I was thinking is I, I could thicken it up. I mean, even just like using duct tape or something to... Oh, that's Make attractive. The, the wedge narrower. Well, you won't see it because it'd be inside the the wedge. But um, either way, the so I just use that stump, and it's it's been fine. Maybe someday I'll look into an, an additional option. But you know, you know, one of those like arms that you bend and stick it. That's all. That stuff seems kind of wacky to me. And I don't use Duet Display twenty four seven. I just use it when I need it. Like uh, I use it when we record the show and. And a few other uh, times when I need that little extra bit of screen real estate. But generally, you know, 27 inches is a lot of screen real estate. You're probably fine most of the time. Um, Okay, let's go on. We've got more topics to cover. Um, Before we do that, though, let's talk about our last sponsor today. And that is our friends over at Squarespace. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. And start building your website today at squarespace.com. You can get 10% off with the offer code MPU for Mac Power users. So when it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power you need into your hands and take away the pain points like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what do you do if you get stuck on something. Um, MacSparky.com has been on Squarespace. I've been linked by John Gruber and some of the other you know big nerds in our community. I've never had downtime. The website just always works. Squarespace is always there for me. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. With their intuitive and easy-to-use tools, you can make your website look and feel exactly how you want. My wife is helping out with a charitable group right now, and they paid somebody a bunch of money to build a website, and he made Mm. this monstrosity. And um, when they went to the board, they were unhappy, and nobody could get, get it working, so I helped make a Squarespace site and... And they all decided it was worth it and they just gave up, you know, (laughs) it's like water into the bridge. Okay. We've got one that works now. Squarespace solved that problem for us. Uh, So their site templates are really stunning to look at and they all feature responsive design to make your site look great on all sizes of any devices. So it's what they call responsive design. So if you open up a Squarespace site on an iPhone, it looks good on an iPad. It looks good on a Mac. It looks good. And that's just getting started. Squarespace has a ton of features like 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland. So there's somebody always awake looking out for you. Um, They have a commerce platform, which allows anyone to add a store to their Squarespace site. You want to get involved with commerce, you don't have to hire a big programmer anymore. Just set up a Squarespace site. They'll take care of the rest. 
Um, now they have this thing called the cover page. So you can build a great looking single page website. That's kind of a thing now people are doing. It's rock solid with fast hosting and so much more. So if you want to stretch Squarespace even further, they have a developer platform and it's in uh, out of beta now. So you can it's available to everyone and you can add even more functionality if you want. And if you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain name. So allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And the plans start at just $8 a month. So to get a a trial, no credit card is required and start building your website today. Go to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, make sure to use the offer code MPU for 10% off. That's MPU for Mac power users. And we thank Squarespace for all of their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So, David, during the ad break, I was doing a little research for you. Um, yeah. The, the the stump has evolved since. Uh, yeah, I know they have new ones. I just haven't bought one. Yeah, <laughs> they, the they, they have a new stump and now they have a super stump. Super stump. Well, I didn't know super about that stump. one. I think I have to get a super stump. <laughs> Looks like the super stump was designed for iPad Pro owners. It's uh, oh, really? It is. Uh, it is quite the stump. Oh, I hope uh, it's not too big. That, it, it's a. a it's 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 quite large yeah see i don't know if i'd like that yeah i don't think i like it but the stump is you can throw it into a drawer when you're not using it yeah super stump's not going in the drawer maybe a file cabinet but all right anyway the new stump looks like it'll work a little bit better for you but anyway i'll I'll throw a link into the show notes so our listeners can see that as well um uh what about working with photos some people do that and it's more than just a hobby uh i think what the you know another this is another sponsor full disclosure is pixelmator uh wow isn't that powerful that pixelmator app did i tell you about my christmas card this year you got it i got a copy of your christmas card this year but i think you should tell the listeners about your christmas well (laughs) i I didn't i didn't know that you adopted a new animal yeah we always like to have fun christmas cards in our house and when uh, my wife and my, my my youngest daughter and I went to the Star Wars celebration because it was in Anaheim this year. So how could I miss it? I mean, it was literally down the street and um, they had a, a full set up like interior of the Millennium Falcon there. And so you wait in line, you got to sit at that table, you know, that that table in Star Wars where they had the funny, you know, claymation chess game and all that. It looked like it, you were on the Falcon and there was a guy there dressed up like Chewie. So. I, I was I was wondering if that was a person or if that was just a prop. No, that was a person, but he was a little chunky for Wookie yeah, for a Chewbacca. It looked like Chewbacca lost a little height and gained a little weight. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know it, it, it happens, David. It's been thirty something years. You shrink yeah, exactly. and you, you get wider. Yeah, actually, looking at myself, that kind of applies to me too. So there you go. But the um, uh, but so we posed with a picture with him. It was so fun. And, um, and we, you know, with all the hype over the movie, I said, let's just make it, our, let's just go in all the way and make it our Christmas card this year. But the problem was my youngest daughter, I mean, my older daughter wasn't there that day. So Pixel made her to the rescue. I went out to the yard, snapped a picture of her against a white fence, and she put on some Star Wars-y type looking clothes, kind of looking to the side. And I, I did all this on the iPad Pro, um, and I so it is iPad productivity. And I imported the picture. Um, I cut out the background, and using the Apple Pencil, that made it really easy to kind of really cut out the background around her very carefully, you know, with the pinch and zoom and everything. So I, I erased the background of her, and then I put a blue filter over her, you know, like when you see in Star Wars. When it, for some reason, despite all the technology of Star Wars, they haven't got that holograph thing down very well. Yeah. 
it's always got that blue, you know, line thing. So, so I, I using um, filters and overlays in Pixelmator, I gave her that blue look, and then I I sh- I shrunk her and then took her back to the original picture and put her on the chess table like she was a holograph on the image, and it came out looking great. And then I wrote some nice words and everything. We turned it into our Christmas card. But I did all that with Pixelmator, and I was just thinking as I did, I'm like, wow, a couple of years ago, this would have not been possible on an iPad. And now it totally is. And and just so people get the full idea, you know how it basically the pose she was in was the Leia. You know how when Leia goes, help yeah. us, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our, you're our only hope. I mean, that's that's what she did. She basically stood there like she was a little projection coming out of R2. That was great. Yeah. Well, it it, it's great. funny. that that That's a card. Some of my relatives thought it was awesome. And some of my relatives have no idea at all what it means the older ones are like i don't understand this dog thing what is this dog in your car <laughs> i um, i had my family came over for christmas eve dinner and my mom like one of the things she does is i i put all my christmas cards up on the refrigerator and she goes through them all and she says i thought your friend david had two kids i said he does she's like where's the other one is she she the one in the costume and i said no no she's on the she's on the chess table yeah and she's like ah oh. yeah now, i think your mom fits in that category of people that just generally thinks i'm a weirdo yeah she does Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. It's it's a, it's actually a, a rather large group, that's <laughs> including not, some Mac but one, once, listeners. Once I explained it to her, she got it. She's like, "Oh, that's yeah. clever." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another uh, good one uh, for getting photo work done on your iPad, I think, is Snapseed. That's an application that was originally developed by that company out of San Diego that made great filters, um, which uh, which Google then bought and fortunately has kept intact. And that's a really powerful app. It's free and you can do some amazing photo work with it as well. And um, I think that's it for the kind of the big photo apps. For, for as many photo apps as there are out there, I don't think there's a lot of them that are real, you know, powerful. Yeah. A lot of them are kind of one trick ponies. Yeah. Something I want to mention, but then kind of skip over is, you know, we, we started to talk about managing mail on, on the iPad, but then quickly realized that, you know, that would just be a whole rabbit hole in and of itself. And I think you have already declared that 2016 will be the year that we revisit mail. We're always revisiting mail. I know, but I don't think we did in 2015. It's a constant issue. Yeah. Well, I I do think though, uh, revisiting this year includes a SmackDown show on mail clients because, Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time talking about mail technologies and advantages, um, but there, you know, you know, I want to see where the the field is right now with email clients, and this is going to be both Mac and iOS apps. I've downloaded like eight of them. I've got all my credentials in all of them now, and I'm spending time with them. Uh, if you're out there and you think that we're there's one that you absolutely love and we should cover, please let us know. Yeah. But uh, we we're going to look at you know what the various mail clients are out there. Apple Mail is not necessarily the answer for everybody. I, I don't know. I've tried a bunch of them and I keep coming back to Apple Mail, but we'll, well see. Uh, uh, that's, well, that's something we're going to find out when we do the show. I mean, we're both going to spend some time looking at the other options. Um, so we'll skip that one for today. Uh, automating the iPad. I think that's part of getting productive, productive on the iPad. We've already talked about drafts and uh, another product from Smile is Text Expander, which uh, is really makes a lot of sense on an iPad, you know, using Text Expander. I would uh, suggest if you're going to start doing text expansion, um, not only using text expander for filling in within the individual applications, which you can do now, they've got a, a custom keyboard for that, but also look at some of the, like the fill in snippets and the more uh, advanced snippets. You can do those on an iPad. Uh, you just have to do them in the text expander application. And then once you've got that text created, you can easily copy and paste it somewhere else. 
Like I've got some real complicated fill in snippets I use for some of the day job stuff. And I just go in the text expander app to create them. I mean, I just can't get over Katie, just kind of as a general observation, um, how few true roadblocks I've run into trying to get work done on the iPad in the last month. That's I mean, true. there's just not that many anymore. Uh, there's some other apps out there to consider workflow. I did a whole video field guide on that. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a very powerful application that allows you to, in essence, to create your own apps with um, Lego block. Uh, there's another one called Workflowy that I'm looking into. I don't want to talk about too much because I haven't spent enough time with it. But um, uh, automation is a thing on the iPad now. It, it can be done. Yeah. And then you've got in here some um, legal specific apps that you, I know you use these in your practice. I, I've downloaded some of them, but I haven't really used them significantly in, in my practice, but I've, I've played enough with them. So for the attorneys out there who are interested in um, trial pad and transcript pad are, are two that I've downloaded and, and played with a little bit. But if you're litigation attorney specifically and, and you litigate for a living um, or you're constantly reading depositions or presenting depositions or doing things like that, um, a transcript pad in particular is, is kind of a must have application for that. Yeah, I know there's others out there, but I really like um these apps, uh, but it's the same developer made all three of these doc review pad, transcript pad and trial pad. I don't want to spend a lot of time. We don't, we don't talk about legal stuff much on the show, but um, just uh, trial pad is one of those apps that I don't know what, yeah, I think I paid like 80 bucks for it when I bought it. It's an expensive app, but to buy something similar on the Mac or any other platform, it may be thousands, you know, I mean, that trial management software is very expensive. So this pro this product is really actually priced quite aggressively and it's really, really useful. Last last trial I did, um, I was going up against a big firm and it's just, you know, it's the usual David and Goliath story of my trial life. And so the other guy brought a, a consultant and two or three lawyers and I showed up with my iPad and trial pad. And the other guy first day had the wrong cable, so they couldn't get anything to work. And, you know, it was just like a comedy of errors on the other side, trying to get things working where I, I was just kicking butt every day with trial pad. And it's an application that allows you to like put a document on the board and highlight it or an exhibit. You can put an exhibit tab on it. Just the day-to-day the -day stuff you need when you're putting evidence in front of a jury. Um, TrialPad does a really great job of it. And it was, it was <laughs> the ultimate victory for TrialPad in that case for me was I, I won the case. And then there was going to be a second phase of the trial. And the other guy's lawyer um, called me and said, hey, what was that thing you were using on your iPad? <laughs> They wanted to, oh, no. <laughs> go. but uh, so it, there are some great apps out there. We'll put links for those three in. I don't want to dwell on them because most of our audience doesn't care. Um, yeah. But we have one more category. Yeah. And actually that's, two more. Two more. Well, yeah. I, I think one of the things that's important to talk about is that if you're using your iPad, well, really for anything, but especially if you're using it for work and productivity related tasks, you need to pay attention to how are you going to stay safe online? Um, you know, because you've got sensitive data on here, you're, you're doing ex big things on here. Um, one of the tools, obviously, that we talk about all the time, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, is is One Password. But I I will say that One Password on the iPad has just gotten better and better, particularly now with split screen and Touch ID being available on almost all of the modern iPads. You know, having the ability to go, you know, one third screen or you know half screen with One Password and be able to go back and forth and copy and paste things, um, or to be able to launch something in the One Password browser and now being able to use your your second factor authentication tokens within One Password, it's it's just kind of a one stop for everything that you need in there. Um, yeah, I, you know, the iPad Pro. This is not related to the iPad Pro, but just is the first iPad I've had with it 
with the touch ID on it. How awesome is that? I just it makes I a big difference, smile. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not even just one password. It's my banking app and all the other stuff that I use. And just, oh man, it's so nice. Yeah. Well, you're in for was, a treat if you're about to upgrade to an iPad with a with a touch ID in it. Yeah. Last night, for example, I was I actually you know already closed down my computer and um, had gone to bed and realized something that I actually needed to pick up something from the Best Buy website and realized that if I ordered it last night, it would it would arrive, you know, kind of before New Year's, whereas if I didn't, it would, you know, if I waited a day, it would be after. Um, so, you know, normally what I would have done, because that's kind of a pain, you got to go and you got to put your name and your address and, you know, the typical cart checkout process of how that works. Um and, you know, instead I just grabbed my iPad and did it, you know, it just, it, instead of, you know, walking the 20 steps that it would have taken to get to my Mac. Yeah. What about so VPN easier. software? You know, I think that's really important now on, on iOS devices as well. And I strongly encourage people to to look at VPNs. You know, they're, they're cheap. They're, they're reasonable. You can get them for a couple of bucks a month, or you can get a one-time pass if you only want them when, when traveling. But I think if you're going to be out on, on public Wi-Fi or, um, you know, out and about, you, you definitely want to look at a VPN software because you don't want to be doing this kind of stuff on the Starbucks Wi-Fi or the hotel Wi-Fi or anything like that. Um, Tunnel Bear. Um, was a sponsor of the show last year. Um, Cloak is another one that that I personally use. Um, I, I've been tried both, used both, been been very happy with both. But you definitely want to take a look at a VPN solution. Um, you know, the other thing I know it's a little bit of a, a a controversial topic, but content blockers are now available on iOS. If you um, you know don't want to see certain ads, or if you want to block. Um, if you want to block comments from certain websites or, or things like that, you can get, you know, pretty specialized in some of the things that you do with the content blockers now. So those are options. Yeah. Which ones are you using? Um, you know, I, I won't say that I'm really using one full time. I've, I've played around the two that I've played around with um, are crystal and one blocker. Um, I don't really love either of them because um, they don't, I, as of the time we're looking at this, none of them have an easy whitelist. And one of the important things to me for a content blocker is I want an easy way to whitelist certain sites that I really want to support and who don't have aggressive ads. So um, Crystal and OneBlocker are the ones that I've been playing around with. But if people have other, you know, ideas for good ones, you know, feel free to write in and tell us on the on the live show. You know, I was when I was talking earlier about the buckets and I couldn't remember that native Mac app. It, it came to me afterwards. And I just wrote it down. Uh, it was Yojimbo. Yo, Jimbo, that's right. I wish I knew yeah. what you were talking about, but I couldn't come up with it either. Anyway, um, last subject for productivity with your iPad uh, is there's a few accessories that that are worth considering uh, with an iPad. And uh, for productivity, I think the big one is a keyboard. And um, on the iPad Pro, I would recommend the Apple keyboard cover. And, See, uh, yeah, I, I want to talk to you about this. This this okay. surprises me. Um because I I would think that you wouldn't like the keyboard cover because it's, you know, kind of always on and it's attached and it's mushy and it's it's bulky. But you like it? Are you using it as a, you know, all the time or? Yeah, I'm using it. Um, well, I mean, there's a couple of ways I use this thing. Um, if I need a keyboard for it, this is the least bulky keyboard you're going to get. It's a, It's basically a smart cover. Right, but the, it's but it's bulkier than your average smart cover, it's, right? It's a little thicker. Yeah, it's a little thicker, but not much. Whereas like the um like the keyboard case that is as right now out by um 
uh, Logitech, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I do not like that at all. I mean, I just, it's too big. It turns the thing into, it feels like it's turning the iPad into like a 15 inch MacBook pro. I mean, it starts getting thick and et cetera, but the, uh, and, and the Apple cover you can pull off. It's, you know, it's magnetic. You can yank it off. I don't use it. I don't have it attached all the time, but when I do want it, I've got it there. Uh, I can put it on my lap sitting on the couch and type on it just fine. I've come to realize over the years, though, that I am not as finicky about keyboards as I always thought I was. I mean, I, there was a time when I would buy the clickety-clack keyboards. You used to make fun of me about it. Then you got one, right? Are you still yeah. using one? Uh, no, because yeah. I found it flared my RSI a little bit. Yeah, that's the problem I had with it, too. So I, I actually like low-travel keyboards. Um, a lot of people on the Internet are unhappy with the MacBook keyboard, and it's just fine for me. And I feel the same way about the keyboard cover key travel. So it's just fine. And it fits. Like I said, it's just so minimal um, when you take it out to travel. Um, you're adding very little bulk to have a keyboard with you. So with the iPad Pro, I would recommend that one. I know that's not for everybody. I would probably recommend going into the store and, and using one a little bit before you buy it or take advantage of the two-week uh, return policy if it's not your thing. Uh, you, what, what keyboard are you using with your yeah, iPad? Yeah, um, I've looked at, now keep in mind I have the mini, but even when I didn't have the mini, even when I had the, the full-size iPad, I looked at those add-on keyboards that would kind of become a case with the iPad and decided that I did not like those at all. And the reason was because the most of the time that I use my iPad with a keyboard, wait, let me, I'm sorry, rephrase that. Um, the vast majority of the time I use my iPad without a keyboard. So if I'm using my iPad without a keyboard 90 plus percent of the time, why would I want this, this bulky kind of subpar case on my iPad, you know, that 90% of the time that I wasn't using it. So, and an additional complaint with it is like, well, right. I, I will not complain about low keyboard travel, if the key feels, if the keyboard feels compressed or like the keys are too close together, not like a normal keyboard, that throws me into fits. And right. all of those do that. Yeah, they all do that. So what I ultimately did is, I, and I've been through a couple, um, I got an external keyboard. Logitech makes a couple that I like. Um, my favorite is the K811, which is small. It uh, is powered by uh, USB, you know, micro USB, like so many of those are. Um, but I like it because it's it's got the ability to manage multiple devices. So I just grab it with my iPad when I need it. And when I don't, it's sitting here um, uh, paired with my Mac mini. And so it, because it, I, I'm not going to be in a position where I need to use it with my iPad and my Mac mini simultaneously. I'm either home or I'm either out on the road with my iPad. What about an external battery? How often do you run out of juice with your iPad? Uh, very seldom, very, very yeah. seldom. I, I, th um, I think it's a product that not many people need. I think the 10 hours or whatever you get with an iPad is probably enough. I, after 10 hours, you're probably too tired to work anymore anyway. Right. I've, I make a point to, to charge my iPad every night when I'm traveling. When I'm home, I, tr I charge my iPad, you know, once every couple of days. Um, so but it's not a problem. I'm going to tease. We have an episode coming up, a live show, you know. Yeah. we're going to record just a couple of days after actually they'll have recorded when you hear this, but yeah. we'll, we'll let you know the, but the live show coming up, it's going to release after the show. We always have a pick and I'm going to tell you that for Christmas this year, Santa gave me the mother of all external batteries and I cannot wait to tell you about it. Oh so dear. Oh you dear. Have to listen. You have to listen. Okay. You know what else we're going to cover in the live show? What's that? Oh, wait a second. I have a sound effect. Oh boy. Yeah, we're going to talk about Star Wars a little bit. I think we have to. We'll put it at the end of the show. So there there will be spoilers? 
I think we'll just have to treat it as you've watched the movie. Okay, so we'll we'll, have but to we'll get do like it at the a, very end, so you can just turn it off and not listen, and then come back. We'll but, have to get a spoiler horn or something. Maybe maybe I, the incomparable folks will let us borrow their spoiler horn. Or yeah, it maybe. sounds it sounds like you've got your own sound effect right there. Yeah, I know. You know what? That may be it. I have yeah. it. It's sitting right here in my desk. But the um, uh, boy, I want to talk about the movie, so I'm just going to do it here. Why how not? many How many times have you seen it? <laughs> okay, I've seen it three times. <laughs> I've only seen it twice, so you got me beat. Oh, you've seen it twice. Okay, I've seen it twice, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my daughter has seen it more than I, which bugs wow. me a little bit. But but we just had, you know, we had some family in town, so I went and saw it again. But anyway, that again. is all for the live show. We have so much fun to talk about this weekend. All right. Everybody, sounds like a plan. Uh, so this this episode, we really tried to give you some apps to help you be more protective on your iPad. I bet you know a few that we missed. So let us know. We'll put that in a future live show. And we're always interested in hearing how you're getting work done on the iPad. Um, one last thing, Katie Floyd. Okay. Um, uh, you know, the question that I wanted to answer at the beginning of the show was, you know, where are we running into friction on this? To me, the iPad friction point, you know, is there aren't as many as there used to be. But to me, it's audio. If you want to do stuff mm. that involves audio. Um, the iPad is still not going to going to carry the day for you, right? I mean, I, we still haven't found a good way, and I know other podcasters have struggled with this to to send you off or to send me off to a place, and along with a portable microphone and only an iPad. Um, you know, we've talked about some some workarounds using an iPad and an iPhone if we absolutely had to to record the show, but it's, it's not good the way that we do our workflow. And, you know, I know Jason Snell has talked about some audio editing apps for, for the iPod or the iPad. Um, we don't do a lot of, we thankfully have someone who, who helps us with our audio editing here now, but yeah, audio is still an issue. You know, you can't, the, the big drop is for example, on the iPad, you can't have a Skype conversation with me and then have a secondary audio app recording your audio. That's just not possible right now. Yeah. But for the, the times that work, most people do, Boy, this thing really can get a lot of it done for you. But be you have to be open to trying some new things. All right. So that's anyway, true. that's it. We covered it. Um, yep. Like I said, let us know in the feedback. Thanks to our sponsors, Daylight, Smile, Squarespace. Welcome to the family, Daylight and uh, Market Circle. We're really happy to have you with us. Yep. And everybody, uh, I hope you have a great new year. And uh, we look forward to bringing you more Mac Power users in the coming weeks, months, and years. Right. And if you've got feedback for us for the live show, don't forget you can send that to us feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And we'll have links to everything that we talked about in this episode in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app of choice or on our website at relay.fm slash MPU. Uh, you can also find links at the top of that page to support this show if you decide to do that um, as well and, and become a member over at Relay and get some extra benefits there. So um, thanks to everybody and uh, we'll see you in 2016.